What's good, anybody out there? This is your friendly Crimson Stain, and welcome to the Grave Wax Podcast. It's episode 20, and uh, tonight we've got a bit of an experiment for you. I'm not sure how this is going to go, but instead of having some wonderful film to review for you, I thought instead we'd review something that just outright sucks. And uh, the reason is, I mean, it's in the interest of public service, really, because, uh, you know, we care here at the Grave Wax Podcast, and uh, there's something that's come to my attention that really needs to be addressed and hopefully rectified, uh, which is, of course, the New World Order takeover uh, and the redistribution of of rights and freedoms to the, uh, the worst people on earth while everyone else is subjugated to the whims of the plutocracy. And I thought that was a bad idea and we should probably not do that. So uh, I'm going to use my small platform to uh, fight against it. Let's fight New World Order. Let's let's take on these evil wizards trying to control our brain. How about that? Uh, so I thought that would be, you know, at least a fun experiment. Even if it doesn't work, it's something to say we could we tried to do, you know, before we're, we're shoved in the salt mines. And, of course, the gulags and the mass graves, of course. But uh, what am I even talking about? Um, well, I'm talking about... Uh, first of all, the true crime genre, which is just, it's such a double insult, not only that they're, the, the plutocracy is trying to take over the world, but they're using my beloved true crime genre as a vehicle for disinformation and propaganda, and just totally transforming it into something weak and lame. Uh, it's, it's, that's fighting words, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's unforgivable. And even when, I, I've always loved true crime. And even the most, like, sensationalist true crime stuff in the old days, which had, you know, just, it was just an excuse to recount the gruesome crimes of these uh, evil psychopaths. But uh, even in those, there was still a modicum of, you know, res- I, you know, honoring the victims, you know, always saying, you know, they were, you know, special individual souls who had rights and dreams and hopes, and they were taken away senselessly. And uh, that that paradigm has just been completely flipped, and now it's all about criminal rights, and that sickens me. Uh, we're seeing the the push for criminal rights, uh, basically on all fronts, political, legal, and of course this, uh, you know, propaganda inf- disinformation campaigns, and uh, that's another huge insult. Is just trying to get us to agree with our own destruction. And uh, that just sits so uh, badly with me that I thought we should uh, take out, you know, let's let's skip like a Ghoulies Go to College type movie uh, to review. As important as reviewing those types of movies are, we're going to tonight review uh, a viral video from the James Corden show, uh, which it just sucks and I hate it. And we're going to see uh, what this guy is trying to sell us. So I had heard of James Corden. He, he showed up in all these uh, short compilations people would make of cringy things that late night talk show hosts would say. Uh, so I did know he existed and that he was terrible, but I never expected to have to deal with his, you know, show in any meaningful way. Uh, but unfortunately, our paths have crossed on the battlefield of uh, disinformation because he really put out some whoppers with this uh, video he made. His show, The Late Late Show, its YouTube channel put out this video. It was put out on September 7th uh, this year, 2021, and it's called Julius Jones Needs Our Help. Well, the title itself is a lie. He does not need my help, and he's not getting it. 
but he does have the New World Order's help, and uh, they've employed uh, James here to uh, put out these most egregious lies uh, that we're going to go over here. So watch, go to his YouTube channel and watch that video, and then uh, come back here, and we will rip it to shreds. And the first thing you're going to want to notice about the, J the Late Late Show's YouTube channel is their avatar is like this pink circle with his face in the middle of it. And his face is so much fatter in real life than in that picture that that's where the deceit begins. I mean, right from the very beginning. There's nothing truthful in this person. This person is just a whirlwind of lies. <laughs> so uh, come with me now. Let's reap the, let's reap the winds of uh, hate and uh, try to uh, straighten this mess out with... Uh, our review of Julius Jones Needs Our Help from The Late Late Show with James Corden. So our friend James is going to start with uh, his lies with this. 20 years ago, Julius Jones was a promising college athlete with an academic scholarship and a bright future ahead of him. Okay, can that first sentence even pass scrutiny? Let's check out this letter that he got uh, this letter he got on June 8th of 1999, and it was from his college, and it was saying that his financial aid loan had been denied because he did not complete the minimum hours for the fall 98 and spring 99 semesters. He did not maintain the minimum GPA or the combined cumulative GPA that he would need to be eligible. So that's the promising uh, college athlete with a bright future ahead of him. And, you know, I know what people are saying the transition into college is a rocky road. Like people don't know what they're getting into sometimes. I mean, just, just like the Saved by the Bell, the college years were also a, a rough transition that ended abruptly. Uh, you know, maybe this Julius Jones, uh, he had some sort of extracurricular activities that he didn't realize were going to impact his uh, college life uh, so drastically. And so I've got a list here of things he was up to outside of class, outside of the classroom. Uh, let's see, on March 11th of 98, Jones shoved an, an employee at Foot Locker while stealing clothes. Not That's not a cliche at all. And of course, this is also just the stuff that he was caught at. So this gap between March and uh, December of that year, I'm sure there were some other things uh, involved that distracted him from his uh, wonderful uh, college uh, progress. So on December 2nd of 98, there was a high-speed chase, and he had stolen rims inside his car. So, okay, everyone's entitled to one high-speed chase, I guess. Then uh, March 3rd, 1999, he stopped by a cop. So no high-speed chase haters out there. He pulled over, but uh, it turns out uh, during the... Uh, police investigation he reached in his car either to hide or pull out a gun from under his seat and uh, the car ended up being stolen so okay this is getting to be a bit of a pattern and also important to point out obviously this julius jones is black because the new world order has no interest in helping white people at all so uh just the fact that the cop he's reaching for a gun and the cop has him dead to rights, but doesn't shoot him. Okay, what does that tell you about uh, the narratives in the media about that particular uh, type of incident? Then on March 18th of 99, he's found in a parking lot of a bank uh, near the ATM with a ski mask and a water gun painted black. Now, of course, that's just a water gun. So he's he's really, uh, this is a really a nonviolent crime. This was just a few days after that uh 
that that incident with uh, the stolen car on uh, March 3rd. So he's not even being detained in jail when these things are happening. And uh, you got to figure that he's got some enabler that's bailing him out. And, uh, you know, he was, and in this case, it looks like he, since he was just aiming to rob people at an ATM with his uh, water gun, I mean, his gun, that gun he was reaching for in that last incident was probably taken away from him unjustly by the police. And so he just needed some funds to get a new gun. I mean, he's really just exercising his entrepreneurial spirit. It's a shame that James Corden doesn't go into into these incidents, any of them, uh, to explain how uh, he, right from the beginning, he was being uh, just so horribly mistreated by society. Okay, so then after that, in July 9th, 1999, he robbed a jewelry store, and he was wearing a red bandana uh, at the time, which will be important later. Then on uh, July 21st, 99, he steals a Lexus at gunpoint. Okay, that's that's pointing towards something. And then the next day, he steals another car at gunpoint in the same parking lot. And if you're wondering if these are just alleged things or if we know that he did this, he later played, pled guilty to that. So, yeah, he was a carjacker. He was a known, admitted, pled guilty, convicted in a court of law carjacker. And so, again, to contrast that, what does James, uh, James Corden say? He says he's a promising college athlete with an academic scholarship and a bright future ahead of him. Okay. Thanks, James. Very cool. And then he says, uh, James says, uh, he's been on death row for a 1999 murder he's always said he had no part in. Well, hey, he said he didn't do it. Let him go. James goes on. He was convicted in what, in my opinion, was an unjust trial. Uh, despite overwhelming evidence of his innocence. Okay, nothing less than just total acquittal and like cash payments to this scumbag would be considered unjust by these SJWs. Uh, what does what does James Corden even know about uh, America other than his fucking rich suburb that he lives in LA and films his stupid pointless show with these vapid celebrities? He's saying, oh, this was a clearly an unfair case. Oh, he was wrongfully convicted. He was this fucking idiot. Deport this fucking asshole. He, he's, he's making me more mad than Julius right now. And I think the anger is only going to rise because now he says, according to his sister, they spent the night eating together, playing Monopoly, and arguing over who ate the last piece of cookie cake. It's those little personal human details that really make uh, this Julius Jones uh, a just such a humane, wonderful character he's in this picture he's painting. But of course, uh, Jones repeatedly told the, told people that he was, his family was mistaken. He was not home on the night of the murder. And uh, they also say that he had a family friend who was staying over with him. Well, that family friend says, no, I stayed over the night before, but not that night. And uh, he also uh, later on would write a letter to his girlfriend in prison asking her to lie and not say anything about what he had said or what she knew. So um, right away, again, that's bullshit. And we see that his family are just enablers who are going to let him get away with murder, literally. And uh, uh, he continu- then James continues, but the, that alibi was never heard by the jury in Julius's trial. They're going to make a big deal about him having an inadequate counsel, that his, uh, his lawyers were public defenders with no experience in this type of case. And um, so 
given that Julius already contradicts that alibi in the first place that other people have sworn that he had said in the beginning before they all got their stories straight, uh, plus the fact that the friend doesn't corroborate the alibi, and if there were five witnesses who did ultimately testify that he was not at home that night, I have a feeling that the reason that alibi was never heard in his trial was because it was bullshit and would have been torn to shreds, so they didn't bother with it at the time. On appeal, there were tons of appeal hearings. The family family did testify to it and put it into the record, but it was never found convincing. So that's the thing with these SJW Innocence Project type assholes is that they want infinite do-overs for their side with like absolutely no reference to the absolute atrocity of, uh, of what the truth is about what they really said and what they really uh, did. So that's just... It's so, it's so, it's so slimy. And I've just got to like get over like being indignant because whenever I get to this thing, otherwise we just got to uh, power through it. So, okay. Here's James again, bringing up what I said before. He was represented by inexperienced public defender who later admitted under oath to making key mistakes, including not showing crucial photo evidence, not cross-examining witnesses. And when it was time to present their case, the defense rested. Well, he's got the entire criminal justice reform propaganda team now. He's got Kim Kardashian. He's got Jason Flom. He's got, uh, obviously, all the people that pull the strings at the Late Late Show on his side. He also had uh, two parole board members in Oklahoma uh, on his team because they just had a, 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 a hearing yesterday and they uh, decided yes he should he should get grant uh, be granted a, a commutation to life imprisonment uh the, the all in the needs now is the governor to um approve that and make it official and of course that's just a springboard to uh, more uh totally bogus uh appeals and ultimately him being let out of jail being the free man getting millions of dollars from some government settlement and uh, an interview with oprah no doubt and also the point that Julius never testified on his own behalf. He always uh, declined to uh, testify on his own behalf. You can say that the lawyers uh, told him to, to act that way, but hey, he, he did that at every uh, point in his trial and appeal with different lawyers. So there's that. You can't uh, bitch and moan about how you were never heard when you declined every time to uh, be heard, to speak up for yourself. Uh, then James says... Julius didn't even match a detailed description of the suspect given by the only eyewitness. Now, this is a very weaselly thing, and it proves that he's not just some sort of, uh, you know, a dupe that do good or bleeding heart dupe. But this guy is a calculated liar that he's following a script given to him by his masters uh, that is carefully, like, outlining just the proper thing to say to mislead the audience without delving into what the truth really is here with this witness. And there's something you might have noticed by now. We've been talking about Julius Jones an awful lot. James Corden has not mentioned the crime or the victim once at this point. And guess what? He's not going to. He's not going to say the names of any of the victims or the uh, or really the detail, just the absolute uh, disgusting crime that was committed by this person. So let's go over it real quick. It's pretty simple. Uh, it's not a some sort of genius uh, Machiavellian uh, crime of the century here. We had a guy, he was uh, pulling into his driveway. He was, uh, he had his sister 
and his two young daughters with him when he was pulling into his driveway of his own home when uh, these two thugs rush him and end up shooting him trying to steal his uh, GMC Suburban. It would be really nice if um, James had really talked about uh, the victim side of things or to say that the name of the victim, Paul Howell, who was murdered over nothing, and uh, this only, uh, only eyewitness would be his sister, Megan Toby. Now, the key here, one of the little deceptive things, is the only eyewitness. He's talking about the only eyewitness to the murder. Those two were seen uh, stalking their victim before by other people. But, uh, of course, at, during the actual crime, you only have this Megan Toby who survives. She's the only adult who survives. And, uh, you know, imagine the terror she had to go through in that moment as uh, she watched her brother shot and she had to flee for her life with uh, his two small daughters. Uh, that's great. That's a great person uh, James Corden is to defend the killer of uh, this this person. Uh, so uh, what she actually said, and this is, this is testimony in the trial, they're, uh, they're twisting. Now they're talking, she's being, I believe she's even being cross-examined, so they act the act that uh, the defense did absolutely nothing is wrong, uh, just given the fact that she's being cross-examined here. But be that as it may, she's talking about the the perpetrator and what he was wearing. And he was wearing some sort of like a skull cap uh, hat, uh, you know, like a do-rag type of thing, I believe. And it, she said the hat was covering his head. They weren't above his ears. There was just a small amount of hair sticking out about a half an inch above his ears. And also, she'll very importantly say, no, he, he, I could not see braids. So the claim that she, her detailed description contradicted uh, his Julius Jones' actual appearance because he had very close, like, shaved hair, uh, they're saying that she'd said that his hair was sticking out a half inch to an inch out beyond his ears. That's not what she's saying. She's talking about the distance between the little do-rag and his ears, and there was about a half inch of hair showing, and it was not braids. It was not cornrows like his uh, genius partner was wearing at the time. And one of the other witnesses had described uh, two individuals, and one of them, the driver, had cornrows. So all this rigmarole, they're trying to deceive you, like really on basic stuff that's easily disproven. And if you still think, oh, I, I don't want to take the Grave Wax podcast word for it, uh, what does, what does uh, the only witness, Megan Toby, say now? Well, she thinks that Julius Jones was definitely the killer. So you can ask her if there's any ambiguity about her testimony at that time. That's why the New World Order depends on just overwhelming disinformation floods where you don't even... It doesn't even matter who's saying it. It can be this James Corden. It could be... It could be Big Bird. It, it doesn't matter. They just got to get the word out as many places so people just get it into their minds that, oh, that's an innocent person being convicted here. We have to let them go. And of course, all that's for an insidious reason. Maybe beyond the scope of this episode, but we'll see if we talk about it. The main point being the liars. They're lying. They're lying to you. And uh, that's why if you have uh, even the small uh, following uh, talking about... Uh, awesome horror movies uh you got to use your platform to uh, try to try to do uh counter um counter narrative uh correcting the record uh, the truth battling lies that's what you got to do 
I mean, just look at my talent for speaking here. Obviously, I've got to use it for the right purposes, right? Okay, so then uh, James Corden says, The elected prosecutor was a man called Cowboy Bob Macy, who had a known reputation for misconduct. And he also says, Almost one-third of his death penalty convictions have been overturned. Well, I'm sure there's no political agenda behind that, just like there's uh, no, none behind this media campaign to free this murderer. And it's just totally spontaneous and sober-minded judgment. But, uh, you know, one person's uh, overturned conviction has nothing to do with Julius Jones uh, with all this evidence against him. And also, uh, according to the uh, Justice for Paul Howell website, it says Wes Lane was the person who was the DA during the trial. Not even this this Bob Macy wasn't even involved during the trial. So uh, there's probably more to the story, but you can't uh, you can't get any more information than that. Uh, but this seems to be just another lie, apparently. So, moving on, there's also evidence of obvious racial bias. Oh, imagine that, they're going to play the race card. I couldn't believe, I, I didn't see that one coming. Uh, both of the arresting off, both the arresting officer and one of the jurors used racial slurs towards Julius, and the prosecutor repeatedly brought up Je- Julius's race when it had nothing to do with the case. Okay, first time that Julius Jones brings up this racist cop, was in this uh, The Last Defense, which is a puff piece documentary they made to uh, try to free him. And uh, it's a real apt title, The Last Defense. Like, you got nothing, so you better just throw it all, all throw the kitchen sink out. And then as for the racist juror, well, there's always, there's always these bizarre, conflicting stories that come out. I'm researching the Leo Frank case, and it's the same... Thing like times 10 but with this example is what had happened was there was this woman juror uh so already discounted discount her but uh she had told the judge she'd overheard an inappropriate comment by one of the jurors she did not bring up any racial content in this original complaint and also no one else heard this no other juror heard this this is just her single story her word against the other guys and uh, there was no mention of any kind of racial, uh, racist angle to it. That started when she started, she started saying that, no, uh, there was a racist angle, and she started saying that in 2017. Keep in mind, this was for a crime that happened in 1999. If the plutocracy is highly motivated to release this guy, uh, you gotta wonder what they offered or what they incentivized to this person to uh, change her story. Uh, Or just, you know, even barring that, if you don't want to go that far, just like, your story is uh, makes no sense. It isn't consistent. It doesn't hold up uh, with scrutiny of other other people's uh, stories, and it sure as hell doesn't outweigh the the uh, evidence against this guy. So I don't put I don't put much uh, faith in all that. And so and also I don't care about racism. I don't care if people are racist, and that's important to uh, stand forth and be willing to say that. So then James is going to go on and say, if all that wasn't enough, someone else confessed to the murder. Okay, well, all right, I guess we can wrap it up. Someone else confessed to the murder. That's a pretty, that's a pretty good reason to uh, let this Julius Jones go then. All right, let's see if there's any more to this. Uh, multiple people have sworn signed affidavits testifying that another man committed the murder and framed Julius. Oh, okay, so there are no confessions no one else confessed to the murder. 
It's other people saying that someone confessed to the murder. Don't you think that's a bit of an important distinction? Because I think it is. There were these two jailbird informants who, uh, you know, Henry Lee Lucas style said, oh, I, I heard something and uh, let me tell you about it. So it was never, they were just never uh, judged credible. So, I mean, there's not a lot of information about it, but no one else thinks it's credible. And uh, again, someone else's word uh, against another person's word with uh, trying trying to make that sound like that's the important thing when all the evidence uh, already settles the matter, trying to distract people with these side issues. But again, it's another issue when James says, oh, there's there's someone else confessed to the murder when no one did. It's just people out alleging that someone confessed to a murder. It's that sleight of hand on this, these points that really show that it's malicious dishonesty. Uh, and so, you know, I'm not falling for your uh, the tricks that you're saying out of your uh, stupid fat face, James Gordon, you're a piece of shit. And he's really going to tie a bow on what a piece of shit he is when he, when he says it this. All this happened in Oklahoma with a large, vibrant, faith-based community. As someone who was raised in a Christian household, I know the worst thing you can do is to take the life of an innocent person. I mean, you could really just cue the smug guy meme saying, I don't believe in God, but let me tell you what you believe and then you'll have to do what I say. I mean, that's not exactly how it goes, but it applies to this. Uh, it's just more weaseling. He says, I was born in a Christian household, meaning, yeah, you worship status, George Floyd and uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And you'll you'll say absolutely anything to get your paycheck and uh, stay on, t- on TV uh, interviewing these celebrities. Absolute piece of shit. And uh, in this, you know, a large, vibrant faith-based community, that's just gay. It's just gay for you to say that. Uh, it's just this disingenuous cherry on the chocolate sundae of lies that this fat fuck just swallows whole and wants to feed you to. So that's that's basically it. All, all in a nutshell, the, uh, the James Corden show's uh, shitty Julius Jones plea for help. Some other facts in the case, uh, you know, he said... Julius Jones said that uh, he was framed for the murder, that his so-called friend planted the gun in his uh, in the attic above his room. Uh, meanwhile, he has no answer. Why don't you just complete this, the, the bullshit? Because the police also found a clip uh, behind like a, a doorbell uh, apparatus. And also, the next day after the murder, Julius Jones took his car to a mechanic for, to work on the transmission... And the mechanic called the police, apparently independently of all this, to report that, yeah, they found the, the 25 caliber ammunition and like a, uh, some sort of a mask in his car that was really suspicious. And of course, that's the same ammunition that was used to kill uh, Paul Howell. So there's a lot of things uh, beyond uh, this simple story of being framed that don't add up. And... Uh, Again, his alibi doesn't hold up. That's that's why it wasn't presented at court the first time, because it was bullshit. Before the police knocked on the door, they called his, his house. He had answered it, and once they found out the police were looking for him, he ran out the back door. Okay, that's classic Leo Frank uh, weirdness. Uh, and then, what else happened? Let's see. He was He's caught on camera uh, with one of the one of the accomplices. When they were dumping the truck, they, they, they left the Suburban in a parking lot of a convenience store. 
and he's on tape inside the convenience store with one of the uh, accomplices after the fact. So he knew about this. He was not eat at home eating cooking, cookie cake with his family, being a good boy with a promising future in his college career. This is unbelievable bullshit they're slinging at you. And the only way they can get away with it is, uh, one, just relying on the, on the social status proof of... Uh, of uh, promoting this case with celebrities like Kim Kardashian and, uh, you know, making sure that no one else has the opportunity to uh, correct the record and speak out about the, the lies that they're telling. So, so that's that. So that's the sad tale of Julius Jones, an innocent good boy who didn't do nothing. And he was just set up by these racist police who uh, had the actual black murderer in custody, but no, that wasn't enough. They, they're going to go easy on him, and they're going to set up the innocent guy with the, the death uh, capital penalty charge, and uh, they're just doing that because they're mean. And so I just got to thank James Corden for being so awesome and exposing this story uh, to the world, to his high IQ uh, audience that are going to really uh, examine the evidence and come to the right conclusion. This guy has been framed, and he's just such a good person instead of uh, the the thug that he has been portrayed to be through the awful court system. Thank you, James Corden. Thank you for coming to our country. Thank you for trying to right the wrongs of our, our evil system. And I just, I say a prayer for you every night now. I say a prayer that you're never in your driveway one night and uh, someone takes a fancy to your truck and wants it for themselves and uh, decides to take it by force. I hope that never happens to you because that would be such a tragedy. And an innocent person might uh, go to jail over your uh, senseless murder. Uh, we wouldn't want that. <laughs>